Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Craig. And you're listening to Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Welcome to the new segment we're trying out. Guilty Pleasure Cinema presents Under the Spotlight, our chance to put a film creative, actor, writer, director... Editor, why not eventually one day under the spotlight to find out how it is, why it is, what they're doing in the film industry, but most importantly, to find out their love of guilty pleasure cinema. First guest this week, inaugural guest, Neil Ward, star of Hosts. Neil, how are you? Hello, nice to meet you too, guys. Thanks for having me on, appreciate it. Cool, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Neil. Uh, so, Hosts uh, released this week in the UK, uh, directed by Adam Leader and Richard Oakes. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about it? Yeah, so. Um... Yeah, the film's hosts, uh, Richard uh, and Adam are um, good friends of mine. Um, I've known <clears throat> Richard for, well, and Adam probably at the same time, really, for about nearly five years, something like that now. And uh, the guys do their own sort of YouTube channel, um, which is sort of a, a piss take on uh, DOPs and how to make films, but how to make films badly, but make them look really good and <clears throat> stuff like that. So they, they've been doing that for a bit, and I'd... Um, done a few things with Richard some films uh, a couple of short films and a and a feature film and then they were sort of uh pitching this idea and, and writing this script which is another script which isn't hosts uh and I was sort of present with those guys while they were doing their sort of writing process just sort of twiddling about in the background just sort of um spitballing with them and then uh they came up with this idea of doing a a, a sort of rather low budget film just to sort of get a feature film out there get you on the map and um yeah so the host was sort of born from that uh rich and adam came up with a concept idea um and then refined it and then adam went away and wrote it and then from their youtube channel they managed to raise 25 grand it's only 25 grand um <clears throat> 25 grand yeah um to they, they raised it from their their followers just what put out there we did a, a sort of 12 hour live stream just sort of doing absolute rubbish it was like chat shows and then little segments and little articles and bits and bobs that we did and uh, we managed to raise quite a bit of money from that and then just the youtube people that were big fans of their site some of them have got a lot of money to throw around so they just sort of <clears throat> most of them invested like a minimum of uh two and a half grand i think um and then there's like a collective of there but instead of this like um crowdfunding where you go oh here you go here's a is a signed mug of my face or here's a signed picture of my mug um <coughs> um we're gonna make money this way and, and no one gets anything back apart from a little trinket which we thought was a little bit insulting so um so can you get a mug with your face on it I, I yeah yeah I can <laughs> I'm sure I can whip one up for you it might just be a sticker on the edge on, the, on one of my normal mugs but I'm, I can custom make one for you boys but yeah so they 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 conceived this whole idea themselves um had this idea of going like the industry does it this way we can't get access to big money no one knows who we are um no one knew um who i was do you know what i mean i've not done anything huge i've done a few things before that but um yeah to go we're going to make a feature and try and sell this like that they, they did that idea raised that money and we we shot in 12 days we shot the whole film in 12 days so yeah, uh, there was a lot of challenges. I mean, I think um, we 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 released in America first, and I don't think we um, we sort of spoke much about the budget. I think there was a, an air of, oh, do we tell people how much this was made for? Because it can have two effects, surely. <clears throat> I think you're always sort of cautious of what you can and can't say. And we we signed with a, a 
a big um, sales agent, um, MPI Media, uh, and we also got Dark Sky Distribution in in America and Canada, which was <clears throat> pretty big. They they deal with some some quite big films, and uh, we were sort of like, oh wow, <laughs> that's great. <clears throat> and then we've signed over here, and we're out now, and it's um it's it's doing just as well, if not if not better over here, because it's uh, probably our home audience, and it's quite regional. We're all sort of english very english in the film so a lot of english people will get it and i think uh some americans are a bit like i don't get it what's going on what are they saying i can't understand him he's like what is he saying did he just say hello like um you get them but. so just to touch on something then uh, do you feel that cinemas being closed at the moment uh has helped with the success of the movie as it's been in the top of the streaming charts uh itunes horror chart at, currently at the moment we're at number three um and we're in the overall uk top um top 20 i think we were at 20 this morning yeah i mean i don't know when this is going to come out but <clears throat> it, we may be, we may be in like a hundredth by the time this comes out i don't know it might be next week it's like you've had a good week well done but um no um do you know what it, it the, the climate the way it is and and the pandemic hitting at the time it was i mean we had the film shot a, a year before uh the pandemic so we didn't film this in in the pandemic it was done a year before uh and then the edit process um uh one of the directors rich was the editor as well he edited the whole film uh did special effects as well um so uh, i know that rich richard and adam were both there sort of editing away at rich's house and then when the film was sort of finally complete and it was all like sort of signed sealed delivered we've got this film what do we do with it that's when the pandemic sort of hit and we were like, all oh, right, okay. So the premiere we wanted to have for cast and crew went straight out the window. Um, but then the task then is obviously trying to sell something that you've got. And again, we had that sort of thing of this is 25 grand. If we go to sort of some half decent distributors, are they going to sort of laugh it off and sort of go, oh, no, no, or not even reply. So um, Rich and Adam had acquired a list and they ranged from like Paramount, Lionsgate, um warner brothers ridiculous like even even disney was in this list there's some people there um and rich and adam just sort of took it on themselves and just sort of started firing emails at these distributors just sort of like just luck of the draw something like adam.kent at disney.com just like literally we found out who was top people that dealt with the distribution side or the uk films or, or worldwide sales and they just fired off emails. I think they fired off 320 odd emails. I think that's what it was. Like uh, they had their hearts set on a couple of play, uh, distributors that were right at our level, which is who we got with with Dark Sky, where we thought they would be the best for us because they have some really cracking uh, horror films that they're taking on. They're taking on a film last year before we signed with them, uh, Await Further Instructions, which is I think still on Netflix with my a friend of mine, Sam Gittins. He was uh, he was a star of that and. So we thought we we can try and get at that, and like they sent these emails out. Um, they had some responses, like quick fire responses. Yep, send us a trailer. We'll have a look. We'll, we'll we'll do this, and if they like the trailer, then they're like, yep, send us the film. And then the guys were just sat there going, "How's this happening? Like these guys are firing back and actually responded, and not like some people just don't respond." I've sent letters to so many agents this last five months, no one's replied. Like I've had two really good agents reply, and I didn't expect them to reply, and they just sort of said, "Sorry, COVID." We can't do anything at the moment. Um, I'm not taking anyone on. It's not fair and blah, blah, blah. So I completely understand that side. But for them to get all these responses was was, was incredible. Um, so, yeah, in that way, I think I think when it all sort of shut down and cinemas went, disappeared 
um and and sort of temporarily closed and we couldn't no one could get anywhere and video on demand was going up but then because the, the first lockdown i can't remember how long it exactly was but those couple of months films weren't being made and finished and being sent off and being churned into the mixer so i think people were panicking going we haven't got any content we haven't got any content so whereas the tenets the james bonds are all up here and our film probably if you look at it on paper would sit quite quite near the middle low well probably lower tier of, of indie film they were probably just sort of going down the ranks and looking at decent films and then trying to having to boost that up because all the big companies are going no we're not bringing it out yet no we're not bringing it out yet no we, and then the cinemas obviously died a small death at the time because they couldn't get any content wouldn't take the risk of putting hard hard work on screen they're just they're looking at the money side so i think they shot themselves in the foot um because they could have sort of downsized a bit and let people in and let smaller films come in and have a little chance to sort of shine for a bit um but vod obviously just flew up so it, it, everyone was watching at home like netflix and amazon i think went up god knows how many percent just because everyone's at home and there's nothing to do and i think everyone had watched netflix and completed it within a week um <clears throat> as soon as furlough kicked in um so i don't um yeah it definitely helped the guys get in the door um it doesn't affect the the hard work and the passion and the quality of the film that was already there and, and it deserved to be in front of these people even if there wasn't a, a pandemic the, the guys sort of proved a point that you can have a small budget and as ridiculously small as it was we all took a, a, a hit on the pay uh, but we all get profit in the back end and yeah the day rate was all was, it was low but it wasn't that low it was 75 pounds a day we, we did the, the days that we did i think i did 12 days out uh, 10 out of the 12 days so it's a good thing but then we were all doing it because we wanted we wanted to do it and the script we believe in it and we believe in what rich and adam sort of do and some of the other cast as well are just incredible um nadia lamin sam loxley uh frank jakeman everyone really lee hunter buddy skelton and uh jennifer preston they're, they're, they're such a small knit group that when you see on screen i'm sure you guys have seen it and when the people that are listening to this watch it you'll see how close-knit i mean that there's a table scene in the film which don't want to delve too much into with because of spoilers but yeah that, that that film was that that scene was shot on the first day that was the first day everyone had met each other and that was it i'd, I'd known nadia for for ages i'd known her when i'd met rich um I've known Frank Jakeman. I've done another horror film with him. That's how I met Frank. Um, Invasion of the Not Quite Dead, which will be out sometime in the future, maybe. Um, and yeah, so they'd not met each other before, though. Um, I'd met Sam a few times. She was a friend of mine before coming into it. But um, How hard is it to build on that chemistry on two fronts? Obviously being a romantic couple but then on the other side being your evil counterparts with that me and sam i mean i say i knew her previously before before filming um i basically i knew sam through a friend of mine who's a producer uh in london april kelly and i was at um a couple of parties or birthday things in the pub down in london and sam was there on one occasion with um with april and her business partners and, and friends and whatnot for someone someone's birthday I never know who it was in london you always at someone's birthday party but um uh, and i just met her there and like just sort of, sort of chatting away she was obviously an actress i'm an actor april was an actress and a producer and so you just sort of get chatting away and you're sort of always moving around parties and then i was at another party i think it was either a pub quiz or something like that um in uh clapham uh, Wandsworth or somewhere and then she, she was there again so you, you sort of catch up and, and do that and then the, the next time I saw her I, I was at a short film premiere 
and it was april's short film and sam was there so i was just chatting away with her and i'd obviously been <clears throat> with rich and adam chatting about this film and trying to work out how we can do it and do we know any sort of cast members so they were looking to cast lucy we had we had nadia already myself already we got frank in because frank's just a, a barrel of laughs and he's a, he's a great fellow as well and i'd worked with him so I pulled him in onto it um i found buddy the kid i'd done a film with um him which is out sometime later this year called imprint he's in that with me and he was just incredible so brought him in and then we, they were looking for lucy and they'd had all these self-tapes and done it and they'd done all this and i just i was at this um screening and i was just sort of chatting away with her again and then i was talking with her and a casting director and then i was just watching her talk to the casting director and i was like she had moments where she just sort of like drifted off and looked like completely evil and sinister and i was like because she's so bubbly and friendly and like really sort of like playful in real life that to to think i was just thinking she'd be she's a really good actress obviously not seen much of her work or anything of her work but i thought you know when you just sort of know someone to be good at something and then she had these moments and i just thought mm. so i sent her details through to the lads and just sort of said this 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 girl is a friend of mine i think she'd be great for the character i think she'd nail it and the guys were like oh well, yeah yeah send it over so i think there was a toss-up between her and someone else and they actually gave the part to someone else initially and it was such a close call <clears throat> um and then that that sort of happened and then last minute i got a phone call off the producer going oh my god can you can you can you speak to sam when you want to we want to get sam in the other person's pulled out and it's like all oh, right okay then so yeah so i rang up sam i'd already told her about like the audition process and she'd done it i'd helped her through that and sort of said do this that's what they're looking for and then yeah what will be will be and it, it she she was in the film and and to be fair she absolutely nails it and absolutely just sort of hammers hammers it home <laughs> so i just want to quickly jump in and ask neil you say the film was shot in 12 days for 25 grand uh, how much room did that leave for improvisation trying out new things looking at the scene around you and thinking i've got a great idea going to the directors etc um so 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 with there being two directors um uh, rich was dop as well so rich was was director of photography cinematographer whichever you want to call it um adam wrote the story they came up with the concept together but the filming wise they sort of took it upon they discussed it with each other and rich would sort of deal with the the direction of how the scene looks and how it all goes and movement and stuff like that but then adam was focusing on the story and the relationship and and things like that so just to make it easier on set we've all had them conversations where you're trying to explain something with two people and you sort of go who am i listening to adam was sort of the liaison with the actors while um rich was dealing with um uh sean uh our camera uh, assistant operator or assistant camera operator i don't know what the correct term is uh, so they dealt with it like that so <laughs> do you know what even though it's 12 days we probably did about 40 days worth of filming i think it was about 20 hour shoots uh, <laughs> and then like sleep for an hour and then come back and do it and that's fine in this day and age if you if you're down to do it and everyone is that's the thing is that you you, you want to keep going even though you go oh we've got finished now we've been shooting for 16 hours and we're like no we need to get that scene we need to do it and the producer asked the question is everyone happy and everyone's saying yes of course we're happy we're not we're not complaining to equity like the most expensive calendar or or diary in the world we're we're there because we want to make something of ourselves and we believe in what they're trying to make so it was very it was very script based the guys were, were extremely good with with the lines and and learning it and going through especially that table scene which was a they shot that like a, a scene in a play so that was just one long take from the start to the finish and then obviously over and over again getting the angles until a certain point that you have to obviously cut and go from then onwards um so they did that like a like a theater play um um 
there's some free range of stuff i mean like adam because uh, of working with adam and rich and stuff and doing bits on their channels i sort of they they sort of let me sort of let me loose with my thoughts and my ideas so the lick on on the trailer and the lick of nadia's face that just came out of nowhere the, yeah the that plug- was definitely the bit that i uh when i watched it back it's like that's definitely improv yeah yeah i mean um me and nadia like i said we've done a few things together and and we we just love working with each other i trust her so much with what she does and do you know what i mean if you don't trust someone fully and you don't understand that but that they're the moments that, that give stuff an edge because she didn't know that was coming bless her and you can see the look in her face and she, that scene is nothing without her reaction like I'm saying all the stuff, but it's her face of complete terror that is what makes that believable, that I'm actually that scary, because in between takes, we're laughing and joking, and yeah. But no, I, I, there was no, like, sort of improvise this scene. There was no sort of do that. Even, even at the start with myself and uh, Samantha, we uh, it's still the script, and it's just chatting away. And coming back again with a little bit of your question, Craig, and um, Adams, was it it's quite easy when you've got someone that's quite natural to to sort of just bounce off with i mean a lot of my other stuff is very natural anyway as well it's very i go with the sort of shane meadows kind of style of acting and the the gritty sort of dramas anyway so just being believable is a is a big thing i don't like hammy acting um some people have said that my acting was quite hammy in this in america as well and again that's probably why they don't they don't get it like it was was english lot but i take that and i go yes it's it's i'm like that with my partner do you know what i mean there's there's that some people have said like oh no one's that nice to each other at christmas it's just all arguments and (laughs) and drunk people and it's like i i that the element of jack that's as at the start for me is it's drawing on that from my personal life is i do take that kind of care and consideration with gifts and i always have done since i was young so with that then how do you prepare for a role like this? Um, I'm sure the listeners can hear that you're a really nice, chilled out, pleasant guy. Um, so how did you give such a menacing performance? What did you draw on? I don't know. People, I've, I've, this has been a common question and I hate to sound sort of like big headed or, or how arrogant this is going to sound, but I, there's hardly any preparation for me. There's, there's, um, I suppose the only way I can describe it, I didn't have a formal training. I didn't do drama school training, so I can't. Someone might go, "Oh my God, that's Meisner!" Oh my God, that's Stanislavski! Or, "Oh my God, that's that." That's what we were taught at drama school because that's the correct way. Um, I don't do any of that. I go. I've had ups and downs in my life. I've been in sort of terrible places, and I've been in some really incredible places. Um, so I suppose that's just emotional memory. It's just like, I've been in a really happy situation like this. I remember giving a present to my girlfriend on her birthday and that's how I was. And you, you, you have those little nuances and the little looks and there's a there's a brilliant look. That, it's one of my favourite things I do in the film and it's just when like I say, I'm proud of you. And there's a little look and it's just, there's nothing. You could recite Shakespeare for me and I go, nah, nah, nah. That, that look there was just nailed that. And that those little things are they're truths they're just little when you're proud of someone you do sort of pull faces like that and you can tell if someone's being genuine or not or if you're watching someone have that conversation you see the look on their face and that's what you want from from acting for me is that if you if you're being a nice kind person which i don't usually like playing i don't like playing this kind of character i'm me the, the talky nice guy i i'm very rarely angry in life and if it is it's been because of a lot of alcohol and <laughs> i do apologize to to the police uh but <laughs> i've been there and i know what i get like and I, I i draw on that but there's also i like to play with rhythms and i also like 
I like the unhingedness. I, I do draw a lot, and I talk about this time and time again. I draw a lot from Tom Hardy. A lot of ways he does stuff is he's he's my idol for the for the for my acting and and his kind of roles and how he is. The intensity is what what fascinates me. And there's there's something a, a, a director I've just worked with, Darren um, Darren King. Um, he says you do this Tom Hardy look and I'm like no no Tom Hardy does my look and it's it's where you start talking about something and you have to reiterate it and you actually find their face and their eyes and look into them and he does it in a few films and I've been doing it in films I've been doing since I was 18 so it's kind of like it's more interesting no one talks to each other face to face eye to eye without breaking contact people people look around the room while they're processing their thoughts and then say their thoughts and then to to hammer it home and, and reiterate what they're saying they look at that person so i use a lot of that there's a lot of trickery really because as soon as you call cut i'm laughing and joking and <laughs> and, and pulling funny faces and doing silly voices and it's something i could always do when i was at uh even at sixth form doing performing arts and theater i'd be in the wings like smoking god they can't tell me off now but smoking ready having a laugh with someone chatting away and then suddenly hear my cue line and then just boom straight onto stage and 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 perform but no it, it's just something i did and and, and and there was people that that took ages to rehearse and, and and had to it took them a long time to get something um and i always i always puzzled myself going well, I, I just i used to wing it a lot like if i'd have put effort in my mum always said if you'd have actually put effort into some stuff you could have done anything and my teachers said all that like you're a coaster when it came to like maths and science and i'm like well i'm not interested in it if i'm good at it that's fine or i'm i'm, I'm academically okay i never i never got a buzz out of it and even with the the, the acting the 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 panic the night before when i'm we're opening the sound of music on stage for when i was back in derby doing the sound of music didn't learn the lines <laughs> the night before I'm there panicking and like and just wang wangled it like literally and that was that's a talent in itself but I look back at it now and go maybe I should have given a bit more time I'd miss rehearsals and other people have to rehearse without me and I felt I feel bad for that and I do look back at that and think that was just a wanky time of me as an actor thinking I was the greatest which I soon got slapped into to place after a few years of struggling and not getting anywhere so I, I do look back at that and I am remorseful for what i did and i, I should have uh took it a bit more seriously but it's, it's it's took 15 odd years but yeah and it does and as you say it takes about 15 years to make an overnight success but um i reckon there's a few more in there there's still a lot more to learn and um but it's worth it man i wouldn't i wouldn't have it any other way um people always used to say to me oh you need a you need a plan b and i'm like what's the, what's the point in a plan b because if you've got a plan b you may as well make it your plan a because you're splitting your time you're not focused enough on that one thing so you should get a trade you should be like a carpenter and stuff because i'll always need a carpenter i always need an electrician it's like there's electricians out there i'm not one of them so yeah i hope that answered your question about 50 million others at the same time i do ramble a lot i do apologize so neil now that we have you on the guilty pleasure podcast ask what is your go-to guilty pleasure movie so it's something that you know you can just stick on, uh, watch, or you're slightly embarrassed about liking, defending. Basically, it's the sort of film that you can say to someone, no, it's not very good, but fuck me, it's enjoyable. My, see, my answer to this, this is, I don't know. Oh, man. I, I, I had an answer, and it was uh, a few weeks ago. I'd revisited a film that I'd not seen for ages. And it's sort of more of an embarrass embarrassing thing to say, but it's it's one of the best films of the 90s, and it was The Full Monty. 
and and it, it's not it, it was just a bit embarrassing if it's like it's a bit like oh you don't want to say that like um my partner's kid walked in and went oh this looks a bit risque sort of hmm all right why are you watching this neil it's like no it's funny it's, it's amazing it's hilarious don't get me? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely hilarious like things it touches on that are still relevant nowadays and stuff and and the taboos and and, and things it's still there it's not for some reason it doesn't go away it's because some people are uncomfortable with stuff and people can be uncomfortable with stuff you can't help the way you think but you should always try to change the way you think because it's all about circumstance and perception if you've grown up through life and not experienced something then something's quite alien to you of course you're going to be defensive about it. it's not the way that you know you go and try and mess with a tribe in 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 the middle of the rainforest and tell them that they shouldn't be doing it that way because we've got internet now it's like no don't tell them how to do their life they're getting on pretty fine without you and um as long as you're not affecting or hurting anybody else i think everyone is entitled to think whatever they want as long as it's not detrimental to others so just keep it to yourself you don't have to like something because someone says you have to you have to tolerate this you cannot like something you can't the more you tell someone they can't do something the more they're going to do it so yeah my guilty pleasure is watching men take the kit off so moving away from guilty pleasures now and on to actual pleasures what neil for you was the film moment that got you into wanting to be an actor the moment where you looked and went this is my life right now my earliest memory um of films that made me sort of want to act or do the drama classes at school or take drama for gcse and, and do all that was that was bottom and, and monty python for me um I watched that a lot on bottom. I was always a big fan of Rick Mayle, so anything that he was sort of in. So he, the guy was just a genius to me. And me and my friend at school, Richard Jackson, used to do skits and stuff like that. And we did a couple of like assemblies where you did like silly skits and, and with the moral to it and things like that. So that it was always him that made me do that. Um inspired me so him as a, him as an actor and as a, and as a personality inspired me to do it. And then the films of of monty python but then it was i don't know to, to sort of take the film route it, it was it was more jim carrey again it's it's, it's, com it's weird it's comedy because i don't do any comedy but these these kind of people at the time i suppose i was a bit more happy-go-lucky back then there's no weight of the world on your shoulder so um yeah jim carrey for me it was just incredible ace ventura the first one i watched around a friend's house in the in the street where i grew up um and just kept going around every Saturday to watch it again. And then the, the, the second one was available and it's like, oh, I'm going to watch that one. And do you know what I mean? And then it was just, just anything that that guy did was, was, was incredible for a while. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that inspired me to perform more than anything. Um, the first film I actually did though, that was, that was down to a, a director who actually did a big film recently, Escape from Pretoria, um, Francis Annan Burton. Yeah. He, he put me in his university final film um in a film that was based on 24 like so i had split screens and da -da 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 i was playing like a young uh brother of a racist skinhead like that uh, terminator kind of not a turn uh, um american history x kind of take mixed with 24 and it was he, he, i went to an audition in london for that and that was in bournemouth that we shot it and i it's the first time i'd done many theater not been able to do any film up in derby and then i went down for this audition and he loved it i was on the train on the way back and he'd message saying i'd love you to have the part and i was like oh amazing so that, was, that got me into film and that was serious serious acting and i think the first day the sound guy i nearly deafened him because he, he was like no you don't need to shout on this you just sort of tone back just speak like you speak and it went from there, but yeah. So yeah, we've obviously spoken about the movie that you like 
which movie do you hate or love to hate? So if you've listened to our Christmas episode, you know that I hate... He hates Love Actually. Yeah. <laughs> love Actually can get in the bin. All them ones like Notting Hill and all that stuff where it's just women sitting feel sorry for themselves with chocolate and wine watching it going, oh, I wish my life was like that. No one lives like that. No one's, <laughs> no one's doing all that amount of work and running around at Christmas and, and doing all this and getting married to the wrong people. Well, they are, I suppose, but they find out 40 years later, not... <laughs> like at the altar there's not there's none of that yeah that one that film yeah love actually can get right in the bin yeah they're all great actors in it you can't knock them for that but the film as a whole is just it doesn't doesn't entertain me doesn't doesn't make me think Ooh, that made me think it just made me sick so we know the film that you love to hate is there an actor in particular that you love to hate and by that i mean you know someone that you enjoy watching on screen but at the same time are like mm, i feel bad watching this <laughs> this one's quite easy um I, I don't suppose it's embarrassed again i think it's just like a lot of people go oh he's not a great actor or he's he's, he's involved in a lot of cult films and a lot of classics but people may say he's not a great actor but i, I had a phase of when i started when i started acting doing theater and all that sort of stuff i i was a massive johnny depp fan so i collected all of his dvds even the ones that you can't get in the uk so i had i have i think everything up to pirates three and then all the crap he did after that, and I, they haven't got them. But I had all of that. And then I went on, for some reason, don't know what it was, but I, I started collecting Kevin Bacon DVDs. Uh, you are Absolutely preaching the choir like, now, Neil. Yeah, I, I love Tremors, I love Flatliners, uh, Stir of Echoes, all of these sort of films. And it, what I love about that is when I find an actor, and it's the same that happened with Tom Hardy when I'd seen Bronson, I went back and found everything that he'd done and wanted to see the the, 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 the arc that he has. Yeah. And some of the films he's done, you go, yeah, oh, all right, then fair enough. But then you go, some of them are just great. Like the, the TV series, a take for Tom Hardy's brilliant. But you, you see that curve. And then if you, I think it was. I think it was Tremors. I think it was Flatliners. I'd seen on like probably Channel Five at night or something like that on a late night Channel Four thing maybe. And um, I just go, oh, I've got a good ears. Let's see what else he's done. And then Internet Movie Database is around, so I just back catalogued everything of his and just got all of Kevin Bacon's bits and Bacon Bites. Let's call them that. <laughs> all of his Bacon Bacon Bites, and just loved them. Like some of the, some some gems in there. And it's like some people would go if you watch Tremors. The, the film as a whole again is incredible, but the, it's a bit dated back with the the way it was done but even still it holds up its own and his his performance is just brilliant like over the top and he did the, the one film that i don't know many people that have seen it is the woodsman where he plays a pedophile that's been released back into into society and he's working and then uh, falls in love with a woman and then yeah it's it's really dark but it's such a great drama and it sort of does make you think to a point where you're like i like him as a character he's a really nice person but he's obviously nonsense kids so you go he's not a nice character so you can't you can't like him but you go yeah he's my he's my guilty pleasure actor for sure um he's in my top five actors for sure um so neil uh, just to ask then uh, is there any directors out there that you're looking to work with i'm very much into my art house films i like films to be films but then i like them to be an experience i like you to come out the other end going fuck i didn't know that was happening or i didn't know that was like that i didn't know how harsh that is or jesus christ i didn't realize it was as hard for that person uh, that must be awful to go do you know i like to think and i like to, to 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 question my own thoughts i like people to challenge what i think and i like to be challenged on what i think so gaspar noe for me 
irreversible um enter the void is my favorite film of all time i've only got through it twice because it's just it's such a mind fuck um but yeah gaspar Noe because he does and he, he takes chances he takes risks films get banned and it's like i love that i absolutely love that like to challenge people rather than just to entertain people stick on a comedy for two hours if you make people laugh oh, great well done you, 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 but there's a lot of pressure to make someone laugh show someone something they've never seen before and go well you, you think like that every day and speak and say comments like that but have a watch of this and then they go oh, i never knew it was like that oh my god like do you know what i mean it's, it's that's what you should be showing people it's not documentary but it's it's thought provocation um and I love it. I love what he does with it. I love that he, the, the Irreversibles and the, the close second favorite film. He just just does stuff that other people don't dare do because of safety or Hollywood or. or well, you can't show people that. You can't show a nine and a half minute long rape scene. Yeah, you can because someone who goes through that in real life doesn't get to just have a snippet down version for thirty seconds on BBC drama. Do you know what I mean? That you don't you don't feel what they do, and then you watch Irreversible and you go wow that's that's awful that's even awfuler than people just thinking oh my god i'm sorry that that happened to you like but you you had to sit there and watch it and people left the cinema and that's that's people fine fair enough but if it's having that effect on you that film's done something more than tenet at the box office do you know what i mean it's so who's the second one you said there were two gaspar noe is number one and the second is oh darren aronofsky they're very similar very similar directors but uh requiem for a dream was a, a massive favorite of mine films that just make you feel like you just had the life sucked out of you i, don't, I, I like films with non-happy endings because not not everything ends happy in life or it does eventually but maybe it doesn't you die so you don't it's not a happy ending um so when you i watch requiem for a dream just to feel a little bit better about my life uh sometimes i feel a bit bad today like i had a, I had a comment on facebook saying that my acting was like a wet dishcloth i'm gonna watch requiem for a dream oh i'm, I'm so much better now do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yeah i do the same thing uh i honestly thought you were gonna say the third the other director was um nicholas winding refn yes he is he's very close um only god forgives is one of my i, I drive is oh yeah you're, you're naming you're naming the ones yeah you've, you've nailed the third of my three favorite directors i'd happily bend over backwards to work with and a casting director des hamilton casts all that so i'm going to be writing to him telling him to watch hosts and telling him to bop me in in front of old darren aronofsky or gaspar noe or or nicholas windy Refn. definitely 100 percent top three by far so neil uh, if people want to watch host uh, where can they see it so hosts is out at the moment in the uk on itunes sky store and amazon uh, amazon prime and then you, you pay for the rental or download um it's not on the prime just yet it may do it may not i don't know again it may change very soon or it may have changed now whilst you're listening to this i doubt it but yeah, yeah amazon sky and uh, itunes but uh yeah we're crawling that chart so if you can do itunes that'll be better for us because uh i say 25 grand film we've made it pretty awesome and we're sitting at number three in the horror chart in the uk so yeah above relic get in uh i want to jump on something you mentioned it earlier and i didn't bring up Mm. the film was shot in 12 days for 25 grand it doesn't look like a twenty-five thousand pound movie and the biggest testament i have to that is richard the director he makes that camera move richard richard oaks is an absolute genius absolutely the what the work he can do just 
tracking your movement around the room at one point, it made it feel because obviously in a lot of yeah. low budget horror films you get like shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot, establishing shot. He's like a, a whiz kid with he does um music videos, so he's done like music videos for Airborne, um Tesseract. Great bands. Um, yeah, he did they, they, he's done a couple of those, I think. Um and so he's used to lighting stuff and he's done stuff with like sort of smaller bands and he believes in like a he uses two lights and i say their youtube channel dark fable media um they do all these little funny skits like five minute little short films um with like their lighting techniques and they go into it like but really like tongue-in-cheek like dry sense of humor taking the mick out of like oh here's a light oh here's another light oh put them together we made a film have a look um and i've done a couple of episodes with them as well doing like i do a character called nigel who talks like this yeah blood yeah like oh you want to come around my place and play playstation blood yeah so <laughs> it's all very silly but um they had like real like the hollywood and professional as they call themselves dops like um commenting on what's this rubbish i was hoping to learn about this camera lens and and about this light the new light you've got and oh, this is rubbish and then they've turned them round into being like real big fans of the channel because it's just so light-hearted but he richard oaks does wonders with his lenses and his and and how he does it and it, yeah he's a huge reason why the film looks how it is and he colored it as well he's the color grader as well <laughs> so it's all so he wrote it shot it colored it edited it so he yeah he co-wrote it essentially the, the story is both of them adam went away wrote it uh it's a story by richard directed by richard um dop'd by richard and then adam obviously wrote directed so yeah yeah he's a, he's a wizard that man and he, he put in the hour count he put in for the editing and the special there's a little bit of cgi in there i'm sure you could see there's a little bit there um but it's hard to tell because it's mixed in with full-on prosthetic stuff and full-on um stuff by kate griffiths she's great great makeup and special effects artist um for everything that you see that you go oh my god <laughs> in hosts but yeah richard oaks is the man and he he, he lost a, a lot of months of his life away from his family making that film what you see so big shout out to him and, and to adam as well you know i mean they both do a, a, an incredible job so i can't say one without the other because they don't come with one without the other so <laughs> they come together they're, they're a team so but yeah so do you want to give the youtube channel just one more shout out so people know where to find them uh dark fable media if you want to check out dark fable media on youtube you'll know what it is because it's a picture of both of them richard's got a big black beard and black hair and adam's like got always got a hat on like me um with loads of tattoos and the exorcist lady's face on his arm so but yeah they, you, you'll notice it straight away it's incredible and neil if anyone wants to find you online what's your uh, twitter and instagram handle twitter i am at neil ward and it's neil n-e-a not n-e-i so n-e-a-l-w-a-r-d and then instagram is neely neely n-e-a-l-y n-e-a-l-y and then everything else um i haven't got an only fans yet so it's not got that desperate we'll give it time uh if you'd like to hear more from adam and myself we are on instagram at adam and craig's gpc we are on twitter with a grand total of two followers at adam and craig we're on facebook adam and craig's guilty pleasure cinema itunes spotify all the podcast streaming apps uh if you like what you hear today if you want to hear more from us please uh give us a rate give us a review give us a share tell your friends and yeah 
Just keep the hot water running for us, guys. Do as he says. Do as he says. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, best of luck with hosts. Thank you for taking time to talk to us and can't wait to see what you're bringing out in the future. Definitely, mate. Well, I'm, I'll always come on if you're ever doing anything in the future and you want to, oh, I've got anything else out and you want to want to pop me on, I'll always come back. I, I, I am like that. I'll, I I always remember where I come from. You have to you have to do that. The people that help you on the way up and give you the, the opportunities, you, you have to remember that. And if you don't, you're a dick. So, uh, once again, thank you very much, Neil, for being on the podcast. Uh, we'll be resuming normal schedule from next week. Well, we'll be talking about... Alien Resurrection? That sounds about right. Awesome. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll catch you then. I've been Craig. I've been Adam. Bye-bye. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Sin. Uh...